Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. News team, assemble! For the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Featuring site publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian, along with videographer Eddie Radosevich. It's the unofficial 40 on Soonerscoop.com. All right, welcome back in, everybody. It is Carrie Murdoch along with my pals Josh McQuistian and Eddie Radosevich. If I uh, can start turning things down and operate the studio as it's supposed to be operated. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for another Unofficial 40, and we are coming off of a uh, Sooner opening win, 56-7 over UTEP. And uh, we're also going to talk a lot of Ohio State coming up. Eddie Radosevich and I getting ready to hit the road tonight, actually, heading down to Dallas, going to fly out of there. Finally here. I'm very much not excited about the traveling part. It'll be... I, I just hate airports so much. It'll, you'll, you'll feel better when we're not on the road 13 hours on Sunday. Oh, and then I you know. Have to get up it depends on if the hurricane is barreling down on us and forcing us to stay in Georgia. Oh, we're supposed to fly through Atlanta? Yes. Both ways. Expletive. I, th- I think it's not supposed to get up that way till like Monday. I think you're right. We but fly at like seven. It could be 30. a. Hopefully, I hope it's not a shit show. Yeah, and like a, just Florida, a, everything is Floridians, backed up. Yeah, just trying to make their way out. Everybody just walking around in jean shorts. God, that'd be terrible. It's a good thing we got our plane tickets because they're gonna be jacking those prices up here pretty soon. I would think so. That thing looks like a, a big old sob though. That her Irma. It's, it's not pretty. Uh, we welcome in Josh McQuistian. Josh, you can take yourself off of mute. <laughs> well, this time with me not actually being on the road, dude, uh, we don't have to avoid road noise, so I can sound actually beautiful. stay off mute this time. Yeah, you sound beautiful. Uh, Josh, over the weekend, just let's talk about what we saw on the field, as I'm sure. I don't know. I've been so busy today. Did you, did you, get, did you do a MMI this week? I did. I just finished it this morning on Wednesday morning, the Monday morning idiot. So I guess it kind of fits its name. But yeah, went through it all. I mean, for me, guys, the thing that stood out was just how different the game was. You had Kyler Murray come in at halftime when the game was out of you know out of hand. You had subs coming in really early. It was just you know five freshmen it's playing a on defense. Coach. Yeah, it was just so different to watch how the personnel kind of worked from Lincoln Riley to how we'd all gotten used to. You know, twenty years of Bob Stoops. It was odd, uh, and my first thought was, Bob's here somewhere, and I bet he wants he wants to know uh, how Lincoln could lie to him all those years and say he was okay with him leaving his quarterback in in the second half of blowouts. It, it was I. I don't what know, the hell, Lincoln. It it was very told weird. Me it was okay. It was very weird, just getting video of shooting the sidelines and stuff. And 
at one point early in the game, I was like, I wonder where Bob is. And I was like, well, you're an idiot. I guess they showed him on television. You're a moron, Eddie. He's they, not on the sideline. They show him on, didn't they show him on television, or Josh? They did. They showed him up there. Uh, he was up in the press box. And I, he was, it was him, Carol, and it was it, Clark was it Stroud. Matt? Clark Stroud. Was okay. It, it okay. was Clark Stroud? I yeah. Know the, yeah. Man, he's, he's, he's Mr. Personality. I don't know if I'd want to watch a game with Clark Stroud. Yeah, that he's a very loud person. They they seem to be a lot tighter though than I I guess originally yeah, thought. Yeah. So because I, I even reading uh, it was Cody Stavenhagen's article talking about how they went on vacation together a lot and stuff. Okay. So I, yeah, I never knew about that. Relationship, I didn't. I didn't either. I did not either. And I, I thought that was very interesting. But it was it was very very odd. Just not just the whole game day atmosphere. I thought without. Without Bob, but at the same time, I thought it was, I guess, exciting in a way. Just to uh, Lincoln, Lincoln hasn't changed. I guess is what I would, I would say. The 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 only to me the only thing that that I was like really conscious of was knowing that Lincoln Riley was going to run out of that tunnel with Big Trooper Orr yeah. next to him because I saw Trooper Orr when I got to the stadium. I think he was coming in or something like that. So I was like, yeah, Trooper Orr is going to be his guy too. And Trooper Orr, remember, he's the guy that tackled the guy on the field. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So when – and the other thing is, like, I don't know if, like, Lincoln – like, like the way he was running, I just thought to myself, like, he's a better athlete than that. It was, like, it was or very long I, Mike strides. Leach might disagree. He, that might be just part of the why he sucked at his quarterback. But he had kind of <laughs> awkward strides. Yeah. Well, and he didn't go through the tunnel. He went – it was hard for video, and I think everybody that's seen the video on uh, on the board and stuff would notice. He Bob would always run through like the the actual yeah. banner and uh -huh. stuff. He kind of cut it he off and just went straight to the sidelines. Yeah, can't be doing that kind of stuff, Lincoln. We got to get our B roll. <laughs> Might say something to him. Is is that the next step? Is that from Athletic Head? We're now going into Athletic Gate. Like who has the most natural stride? Well, I mean, we get to see people run all the time. I mean, it's like sure. It, I think we, everybody brought it up when Landry Jones ran the 40. It was horrible. It yeah. was horrifying. It was the most unathletic 40 I think I'd ever seen from a quarterback. It was horrifying. You, you know it how was just you walked straight up really and down. It was so weird. Like he just it was like a cartoon character like when their feet go there should have been a cloud of dust underneath his feet. Maybe the jokes on us though. He's still making a paycheck. Yeah. It always makes me think of you know how you walk through really deep snow like it's to your knees like you gotta do, that's what it looked like except he was doing it really fast like that's what it yeah. always makes me think of yeah like he didn't have his shoes on he was trying to get from the, the car to the front door in snow is it there was one boot already behind him in the snow somewhere and he just said screw it I'm going is it Gabe Iker's brother that tweeted the gif of that yes that that's a that's a forever top ten gif. Did Jeff, he do that when Jeff, when Roethlisberger whatever. got hurt? He's like, here yeah, comes I think Landry. So. I think so, yeah. I think so. That's exactly what <laughs> Sam Eichert, yeah, he's a good dude. Uh, so, I, I don't know. I mean, that's just the stupidity of our podcast. Something to talk about. But, but yeah, I mean, that was the only thing that really, for me, had any intrigue. I wanted to see him run out of the tunnel, and maybe it was so I, I could just tell myself, this is real, Bob's gone. I don't know. Because it's just been, like we've said, so seamless and I was actually talking to George Schroeder the other day, works for USA Today, and he kind of agreed with me. It's like, it's just been so weird because everything has just been normal and the same. Exact same. There's no, there's nothing, there's never, Lincoln's never had a moment where you're just like, man, you might not know what you're doing. Even the Game Week presser has, like, the only thing that has changed 
is the person talking at noon or twelve oh one? Yeah, and saying thanks, Mike, instead of thank you, Michael. Yeah, I know. He he finally got the, the last two. He didn't say anything in his in his media day press conference back in August. Yeah, and he, and he the next it up. two. Yeah. I think somebody said something to him. Thank you got to thank Michael. Thanks, Mike. Got to thank Mister D. And then you know he he goes into a lot more detail about the opposing team, name yeah. players. Am I wrong or did he not name a player of the game after UTEP? No, I don't think he did. And, and I didn't was, want to be that guy like. Uh, Lincoln, you forgot to, to yeah. say the players of the game. Forgot, that's what they do. You here. forgot our protocol. <laughs> like you're not going to tell the head coach how to do his press conference. No. And Was I, it the first time in the modern era that that hadn't happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, Dean. Dean probably. If I don't know, Dean might have been there, but he he probably was not happy. I'm surprised he didn't pipe in and say, "Hey, who were your players of the game?" I, I, he probably would have been like, "Well, everybody was." He got the game ball, didn't he? I thought I yes. saw something after the game. Joe yeah. Castiglione, who was Joe, if you're out there listening, uh, I don't know what you were wearing on Saturday. Oh my god, it was awesome. You liked it? <laughs> oh my god, yes. The fedora and the yes. the crimson blazer. I think I tweeted the only thing that would have put it over the top was a huge old caterpillar hanging off of his lip. That was a girt. Uh, no, a, uh, a cigar a mustache. Oh, okay, yeah. It was. I mean, that was that was classic. I thought that was great. I, I, I got to say, I wasn't a huge fan. That th- There was somebody else wearing that coat on the sidelines, too. Um, I, don't, I forgot who it was, but I, that was a great look. The fedora set it off. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Uh, but on the day, just uh, because I know you haven't seen all the stats, the Sooners end up racking up uh, 676 yards on the day. Uh, UTEP only had 167 and like you said, it, it, it's hard to really judge it because you you only had the starting defense out there for so long. I think that Parnell Motley, uh, you know, he looked really good. But let's face it, UTEP really didn't challenge them. 76 on the first drive, is that what it was for and UTEP? Then bare, and then basically like, nothing. Yeah. UTEP's offense, that, UTEP just as a whole, that was a very bad football team. Like, I... <laughs> any first game you feel like is always going to be kind of an ass kicking, but when they were like lining up and putting guys in motion and stuff and huddling, actually legitimately getting in a huddle on offense. What happened to the days bad. of Carson Palmer's brother? What was his name? <sighs> Jordan. Jordan. Jordan Palmer. Palmer yeah. That's right. That was a that's a bad football team. But they, I mean, you could say that. Oh, you played well, I guess, <laughs> as well as you can in a forty-nine point game. Do you think UTEP's worse than Tulsa? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would say yes. Yeah, I think you, I think Tulsa would beat UTEP by two or three touchdowns, probably. They don't have anybody even close to Chad President. No, no. that that quarterback was awful. So, uh, in, in, in any, we got to talk about this too. Um, the most shocking thing I watched the first half before I went to the stadium Saturday because I just couldn't keep my eyes off of it. But Texas losing to Maryland, horrible for the conference. But I know most people listening to this podcast loved every minute yeah. of it. I don't. I mean, Josh, just what you know? All these guys that are playing for them—it's a brand new coaching staff that's come in. How baffled are you? And it, it was like I really thought because I watched some of the stuff on the Longhorn Network. Like, okay, Tom Herman is coming in. He's kicking ass. He's taking names. He's getting them disciplined. And they could not look like more. They could not look like the bad news bears any more than they did. Oh, absolutely, because even the plays they made, you know, you talk about 
a pick six, a punt return. You know, some of the stuff they were doing was, it, I don't want to say blind luck, but it's not like, oh, we put together a drive here and we really, you know, kind of organized ourselves and got us got ourselves going. It was just good athletes making good plays. I mean, it was, and the pick six, the, the guy threw it right to Holton Hill and he walked into the end zone. Yeah. It wasn't even like that was Fair an extraordinary play. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I am – I thought the offense would struggle. That's what I talked about. I, I didn't. But Bouchel think, was pretty good numbers wise. He, he was, and you're right. Like it was kind of one of those things that the game got over. I was like, man, he threw 300 yards. That, that their that's offensive pretty, line pretty is salty. horrific. I mean, they awful. are awful, awful, awful. They're they're worse than I thought they were going to be. I thought they would be improving, and and you know how the guy. Is, um, how bad actually, is their line coach? Is a guy that. We, you know, we probably all know his dad, uh, Nick Wareheim, that coached at Dell oh, City yeah, for years. Yeah. So, um, how bad does John Delance suck if he can't stand out on that <laughs> offensive line? He can't crack the two deep on that offensive line. And when Texas is finally trying to make a, I guess get get the foothold or try and get back in the game, was it Connor Williams? I was I wasn't able to watch the second half, but Connor Williams had two just huge penalties, didn't he? In the in the uh, middle fourth quarter when they're trying to get back into the game? I know we had one. I might have missed the second one because I was flipping back and forth between it and um, might have been the start of OU at that point. Right. Um, but, yeah, so I, it, it was um, – but, yeah, I mean, even he and, – and I'm a guy that – Connor Williams is a huge talent. I mean, he really is. Um, but he he didn't have his best game. They, they just looked – as soon as Maryland went on that run and got up 21-7, it was – you know – Kerry, you talked about you know um, Herman getting them organized and Herman getting them disciplined. It looked like they were really kind of holding it together, and then they got down twenty-one-seven. It was kind of like, oh, this shit again. Like they they, they just saw it and they all kind of were like, well, we're just all going to do our own thing now. It looked like the whole team just kind of went started going in you know eighty different directions. How the hell did, did does anybody still vote for Malik Jefferson as all Big Twelve first team? I, he made a nice play early in that game, and I said, okay, he's going to look better in this defense. And I, I tweeted something about it, and then I don't think I saw Malik again the rest of the game. And that's what shocks me. I thought that offense would have some issues. I really thought Todd Orlando, with all the talent they've got in their front seven, I thought, okay, he'll get this together. He'll make I, – I mean, they weren't going to be like a top ten defense, but they were going to be pretty good, I thought. And they looked just lost against a guy that – I mean, a guy who you only know him as Piggy. Maryland's little short, kind of chunky yeah. quarterback. Yeah, um, look like Byron Eton playing quarterback, basically from years ago. So I, I, I don't know. I, Texas, I, Texas I has got to play go. USC now. I mean, they got to play USC. And there were there were a couple people on our board. At one in particular that was trying to tell me two weeks ago that that was a coin flip. USC is going to beat the doors off of them. It's like, going to be I reverse mean, Alabama USC from a year ago. Yeah, they. they Texas may be down thirty-five to nothing before they get up off the mat. Not to spend just an incredible, incredible amount of time more on Texas, but look at their schedule. What I mean, their for their schedule after San Jose State, they're going to win this weekend. And if they don't, they should just burn the stadium to the ground. But they play at USC, at Ames on a Thursday night, K State at home, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State at home. I mean. Is is one in six out of the question? Not out of the question. 
Oh, hell no. Guys, I had them at 6-6 six and six to start this year. When I went over their schedule, I had 6-6 six and six down, and that's including a Maryland win. Like, I thought they would get Maryland. That, and, you know, people kind of look at that score. I don't feel like that game was quite as close as that score makes it look like. Maryland was moving up and down the field on them. So, I, 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 it may be 4-8. and eight. It may be 3. I mean, I, I think Herman will get them right a little bit. I do think he can coach. I do. But I, – I, I think I, I think everybody bought into it. Like the whole, he was just going to fix everything, and all of a sudden Texas is going to be, you know, ten and two. And I I don't know how the hell you looked at that schedule in the first place. Never thought so. I the only thing that I re- I ever really took issue with about the Herman thing was the people that thought he was so much uh, he was such a better choice than Lincoln Riley to be a head coach. Agreed. Just like it was unfathomable. Unfathom- unfathomable. Unfathomable. I think just that's right. Watching you say that word—that was hard to say. Like halfway, <laughs> halfway through the word, I was like, "I'm not like, going to say this." Jiggling right. that goes on. There when was you say very, that word. yeah, that was bad. That was that was like that has mentally you effed were me up. Fighting your tongue—that was really bad. Uh, I don't even know what the hell we were talking about. Uh, just Lincoln Riley and Tom oh, Herman. Comparing to Tom, look, I, we're going to find out a lot. We're really going to find out the first thing that we're, that is of significance about Lincoln Riley this weekend. I yeah. mean. And I think that is what's he going to bring to the game? One, like what what wrinkles is he going to have? Uh, what you know is he going to do? So, like I, my thought this morning, guys, was hell, put two tight ends at the game in the game at the same time. That might be your best offensive weapon is having Calcaterra and Andrews on the field at the same time. I am very, I, I guess, excited would be the way to say it. Just as far as seeing what they do, because you know you saw. What you saw against UTEP is it was very vanilla, vanilla yeah. very you know. I mean, he brought in he brought in a big package that I really liked. I yeah. like the Meyer, uh, Yules, yeah, Dimitri Flowers' running back package. I like that a lot. That's a and I think that that was kind of a little bit what we talked about in the in one of the preseason podcasts was the fact that you could do different things inside the red zone and and you're able to use the guys that you have to your advantage. But I. I don't think that there's any way that Kyler Murray doesn't get on the field on Saturday night in some type of role. Uh, it, it, it's going to be fun just to see how he uses his different pieces, and it's all going to kind of be on him. There's nobody that said, that tells him he can't. So. Here's here's a little Lincoln Riley on uh, how everything is going so far as a head coach. Yeah, it still doesn't feel that much different. I mean, it just it feels like another fun first game, and uh, I'll probably remember the young guys that stepped up and played well. Um, and and now again this. Probably the whole situation from you know June the seventh up until the day. The thing I'll remember the most is how our, our team and our staff have responded to all this change, and uh, so today was a little bit of a culmination of that for me. And I gotta think that uh, that being able to have his first game at home was huge because that really did make it less hectic. I mean, I know he's got people that deal with road travel and stuff like that, but. I mean, if your if your first game is out on the road, like we're getting ready for our first road trip, it's going to kill me. <laughs> and I don't really have that much to do other than pack a suitcase, make sure we got you know the right equipment. Right. I got a laptop and a power cord. Right. And 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 press credentials. And that almost kills. me. I would me. say credentials most important behind or equipment and then press credentials. Right. I have forgotten credentials before. There will be not. I haven't been. I've never been to Columbus. I doubt that they have a hill that you have to walk up like they did at Ferret. Oh my God, Columbia. that was a nightmare. <laughs> so yeah, I guess Josh is not able to hear the the audio anymore. I'm sorry. 
I, I cannot hear the audio. I, it was uh, it was a good few weeks. It was a nice run, but apparently. But it's you heard the start again. of the show, right? I didn't hear that either. Oh no. Yeah, we joked about it off air, and then all of a sudden it happened. It's so, so strange. Skype, you suck. <laughs> Actually, it could be the uh, fact that I haven't sponsor. I haven't turned off the computer in like three days, so that might be what's causing it. Anyway, it's not time to diagnose anything. Uh, okay, so the the thing that I take out of the first game, most guys, is what we talked about. We just mentioned Calcaterra, but Ceedee Lamb, Calcaterra. Uh, whether Miles Teese got on the field before Michael Jones did, but just he didn't. Oh, he I didn't? went back and checked. Okay. He didn't. Okay. Jones got in on that first drive, but I mean, you know, I thought Teese played more in the first half. Yeah, I think he did. Uh, but here's my overall thought: is Baker Mayfield threw the shit out of the football with a bunch of guys he's barely ever played with before. That was impressive. I I would go with that, and I would even go a step further and just say there were no drops. And, yeah. you know, you don't, like... You I don't did have a little flashback to that 2009 season, you know, after Sam went down, right. and then only Ryan Broyles could catch the ball. Like, they right. kept trying to throw it to Dewan Miller, and he could never catch it. There's going to be... I mean, obviously, Saturday is a big test on where, that, on where this wide receiver group is, but to be able to see guys actually go out and make plays was somewhat, I guess, encouraging if you're an OU fan. Here is uh, Lincoln. Sorry, Josh, to do this to you, but we've got lots of audio loaded up today. <laughs> Here is Lincoln talking about uh, the young wide receivers. Play that Jeff made down the field, the yeah. 51-yard pass, the back-to-back plays that you got from Lamb and, and then the touchdown to Calcaterra. What does that do, not just for the confidence of those receivers, but the confidence that Baker has yeah. in those guys? Well, that's, uh, you know, you guys have heard me say it a million times in the last couple months. You know, that, that's been a huge focus point for us is getting him settled in with those guys. And, you can't get settled in with them if you don't trust them, and you've you know you've got to give them chances. And and you know Baker did that today. Um, he gave those guys chances. He trusted them, and those guys, yeah, their 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 confidence is going to grow. Baker's confidence in them is going to grow, and that'll be you know obviously a good thing for us. And that's something we talked about a lot. Like no matter who the quarterback is, if he doesn't trust you, he's not going to throw the ball your way. And and to me, that was huge growth by Baker, just to show trust in guys. Yeah, very much. And, you know, you talked a little bit to Jeff Bidette about it on Tuesday, when Monday night was just the fact that, you know, you make a play like that downfield and it, the ball was, you know, clearly underthrown. But uh, I, I do think that, you know, that might put a little seed in the back of Baker's brain just as far as I trust this guy to go get it. Now, I, I would not advise them to make that play or to underthrow it against Ohio State because it'll probably be picked off like yeah. it was last season. But at the same time, uh, you do find you you learn things about guys, and I thought I thought Jeff Bidette said it best when talking about C.D. Lamb, just as far as going to, and traveling to the horseshoe to play, was there's just something about a game day and actually putting it on paper or on film and actually doing it. By the way, Jeff Bidette, now my favorite interview on the team. He's really good. Uh, he informed us that Kenneth Murray's been given the nickname K9, and that's what everybody's calling him now. I should have had that audio ready. I missed so that. Josh See, I, I, I don't think I was over there. Oh, okay. You're not over there? Uh-uh. Okay. But, uh, no, and we were talking about Emmanuel Bill, how he needs a nickname. Uh, they just call him EB. But, Josh, you did the Monday Morning Idiot. Let me ask you this. Like, And I think that this is, the, this, this is kind of the quandary that Mike Stoops finds himself in, is that Emmanuel Bill 
might be their best linebacker, just, just as an every-down guy. And to take him off the field for Caleb Kelly, I don't know that that's the right decision right now. Oh, Terry, you know it pains me to disagree with people. I'm a pretty agreeable person, but I I don't know that there's any way you ever take Caleb Kelly off the field. I, I can't help but wonder if that was a ploy. Like Part of me is like they weren't showing him Get Caleb. your butt ready or just they didn't want to show him and exploit him. That, that's that's what I like. That's how I feel. Is they were going to say, "Oh, nineteen comes off the field. Oh, he's the kid that made all the plays against Auburn." Blah blah blah. Like I, some, I, I don't know why it feels like gamesmanship to me because I, there's literally a route where Caleb Kelly and I think it's in the second quarter. And I broke it down in the idiot. He literally oh, no, 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 takes no. He ran. A, yeah, he ran stride for stride. Was it was it a receiver? A wide or receiver. Back? Yeah, yeah, not even a tight end. A wide receiver. And he, he goes swallowed stride for stride. him up. Yeah, swallowed him up on the sideline. It was impressive. It, it was perfect. Yeah, and so you can't tell me the kid can't cover. Like, and don't get me wrong, he's not going to do that against Ohio State. They're receivers. They're athletes. It's a different thing. I, I understand that. Different breed of but Emmanuel Beal's not doing that at all. So I, I don't know how you can. Ma- I, like I said, part of me, it just feels like, okay, we're going to let you see this, and then when we see you Saturday night, it's going to be something different. Because I I just don't know how you make that judgment. And, again, Caleb Kelly's one of those guys, even if you take away, okay, I just think he's a better player than Emmanuel Beal, he's also a guy that seems to always be around a big play. Makes a tackle for loss, or he does something out in space where he makes a play that not many guys could make. You know, that, I, I think that's where I become a fan of his. He makes those plays that can turn the tide of a game. I, I, that's why I have trouble ever with him coming off the field. Let me ask you if you saw this on the replay or not, but you're talking about Caleb Kelly. Like, Marquise Overton re- recovered that fumble, but I thought he also caused it. And they announced that Caleb Kelly forced the fumble. They did. The, I, I, I know Overton that they did. I, okay. I'm pretty sure that was an Overton, Overton deal. And speaking of... I'm looking at the official I, stats. I thought he they looked really gave, good. No, he looked good. Tyree Slott looked good. He did. Tyree Slott had a tackle for loss that he didn't get credit for. He had about a three- or four-yard tackle for loss where he just beat a guard to the inside and, and got to the running back before he really could even make a move. It was a really I remember nice that. I remember that. Yeah, they yep. credited Caleb Kelly with the forced fumble. Yeah, I'm looking at the stats right yeah. now. And it was Overton. He forced it and recovered it, I thought. I, <sighs> they must have given credit to uh, Caleb Kelly for forcing it because he's the first one out of the pile and like does like the, the chest – bump or the pounding his chest as he came and you know looking at the crowd so they must have just looked down and said uh oh this guy this but, guy must have played you got to be careful with that stuff though too because they credited ad miller as playing in the game and he didn't suit out so first game stat jitters i mean our camera broke kind of so i mean the audio sucked it was it was a horrible first run in a lot of ways <clears throat> i don't believe the audio was our camera was it no, 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 no. The audio was for, was the people that the audio. I don't know the audio visual people, whatever their titles are. I'll take a quarter. I'll take a quarter of the blame. Uh, no, oh. you know Eddie doesn't need any of the blame. The, the memory card stop just went to pot. We've been good all oh. week though. The memory card that we've had for like four years. Yeah, it's years, been around for a while. Was my fault for not <laughs> replacing it. Uh, here's the other thing. Like, did you notice? I know you watched this back, but boy, Neville Gallimore's lucky he didn't get a targeting call. Thank you. You're the only other one I've heard bring that up. And I, I mean, he went crown of the helmet like, oh, it yeah. was, and he launched. I mean, almost by any definition, that's that's ejectable. Oh, on the on the screen out the, in the, the flat. It was a running back mm-hmm. was spinning around, and right yep. as he spun around, Neville just tattooed him. 
But yeah, it was, I haven't heard anybody else bring that up, and I, I was like, man, I think he got really lucky there. That was in the second half, too. Yeah, he'd have missed the first half of Ohio State. That would have not been good. Uh, okay, so moving ahead to Ohio State, uh, I don't know, anything else that you wanted to throw out there about, about UTEP, Josh? Or Eddie? Uh, no, I, you know, I, I would say, the only thing I would say, and we, you know, you talked about Baker Mayfield throwing around really well, I thought Baker Mayfield's numbers were a little better than he was. Like, he can play even better than he did. The Bidette throw was bad. Andrews should have walked in for a touchdown on that first drive when Baker overthrew it. Like, not to say that, like, he was bad or anything. He was still very, very good. But, I mean, there were some throws that I guarantee you he would say, I left that out there on the field. Like, that, there was more to be done um, that he could have had. So, I mean, that's – to me, I, I see that as a positive for Oklahoma. As good and efficient as he was, he could easily be better. The, the only two things that I thought defensively were, one – they didn't give up any big pass plays, which was good. Just even though UTEP probably their ability to even throw down the field is probably not there, and they didn't try. They and didn't want they didn't want to get sacked, and they didn't want to throw down the field. They wanted that game to be over by yeah. nine o'clock and just call it a day. Or I mean, uh, it was starting at two thirty. So. Yeah, six o'clock. Uh, the other thing, four of twelve UTEP on third down. At least they're getting off the field at somewhat of a decent pace. There's been they played on they've played worse teams, I think, and have been kept around so we'll see so there was no kiss of death there well i don't know we'll see we, for that game yeah not for that game yeah it was good oboe gets his sack his only sack only person sacked which i think is the only the my only real criticism of the defense not enough pressure yeah they and they but again they were pretty vanilla and they didn't really throw a whole lot at them but you you would yeah, kind i don't of, remember a whole lot of blitzing you would have hoped game. that they could have got more pressure just off of their base defense and and not having to force a lot of things. I am really curious uh, about this week because you know I've watched back some of the Ohio State games and just watching their offense operate, you know their ability to uh, misdirect and things like that. You get JT Barrett out kind of on his own on the edge a lot, and I'm yeah. curious how how the speed of Kelly and Beal or Kenneth Murray, how those guys handled the edge out there. Do they trust Mark Jackson enough? He played really well, I thought, in game one. I, I could see them just, I, I mean, I don't know. I could see them putting Oboe and Mark Jackson just saying, please, God, don't, don't F this up. His moment, his bad moment was scary, though, because it's exactly what you're talking about. He bit really hard on a bootleg, and yeah. he went underneath it, and the guy got outside, and you've got to think that's going to be going through Mike's head all week when he's talking about personnel. Like, just because that's exactly what Ohio State would love to do to him or, you know, or to any DN. Suck him in and let Barrett get outside and have a run-pass option. What was your overall impression of Murray against the run, watching it back and kind of charting it? Early on, he was real tentative. It, the first touchdown run, he, he was late getting into the lane, and then when he did, um, UTEP had gone heavy on the uh, on the play side. They had a, they brought in like we talked about OU doing a few weeks ago. They brought in another offensive lineman, stacked him, and then had an H back. Those two guys doubled Caleb Kelly, and because Murray was slow to get to where he needed to be, he got swallowed up by the double as well. And then Walter Dawn was just off to the races. So. He was a little slow. I thought as the game went on, he got better. I mean, you can see what OU likes. It's just going to be, you know, because right now you, you can tell he's in his head. Like, okay, this is where I've got to be on this set. 
rather than just I'm doing this, let me go run to the ball, you know, that kind of thing. So he'll get there. But, I mean, there were definitely, especially early on, some of his run fits were kind of slow. Well, to me, I mean, he absolutely is the key to defense for them against Ohio State. I mean, they, you can have Caleb Kelly come up and play a monster game. Emmanuel Beal can play really well. But yep. if he's not doing his job, they're going to suffer, especially with those two backs that they've got. And they will do it over and over and, and over Yeah, again. and Meyer's the kind of guy, and Wilson's the kind of guy that will just keep attacking the same weakness over and over. Oh, yeah, they'll target the hell out of him early. I mean, you're going to find out if he's ready real fast because Ohio State will be testing him. Uh, here's some of Mike Stoops talking about Kenneth Murray uh, and uh, you know, finally getting his first game under his belt. How good was it just for Kenneth to get a first real game under his belt at middle linebacker? Well, I think that's a learning situation for all of them. Now they know, you know, they, you know, you could see the anticipation, and you know, and and when you're like that, it's hard to play the way you want to play, and and that's the lesson for that. And Kenneth knows that he can't, you can't, you, you gotta, you know, be excited, but you gotta show some poise, and you know, you gotta go out and play and do your job, and if you get too emotional or to you know one way or another you can't really execute the way you want to and that's the most important part is is playing well and here is uh his uh, teammate emmanuel beal talking about kenneth murray maybe if i hit the right button kenneth he's a he's a grown man he might be a freshman but kenneth he's a grown man out there like size wise mentally he was focused he was ready to play that game how much does that help him, though, just playing in his first game finally? How much do you remember it helping you when she finally did it at this uh, level? I really liked it from him because he got a chance to get his feet wet. Like, I mean, of course, any freshman, they'd be a little bit nervous, but he got a chance to get his feet wet to see what, like, actual college football is, and he came out well. You know, Emmanuel Beal is a guy you, you, you kind of worry about him a little bit just because he's going back to Columbus and playing for the first time. He's going to have a lot of family up there. He said uh, so far he's got eight tickets. And he's having a hard time getting more because uh, everybody's parents want to go to this game. So very few people have extra tickets to give him. The inner workings of a locker room have to be, uh, I'm sure, you, do they have to be careful about that with like compliance, freaking out about, hey, I'll give you this if you get me your, your away tickets. No, I don't stuff. think student athletes can cheat, you know, with other student right. athletes. I mean, now if he goes and gets the Rob's bank, you know, or takes a hundred dollar handshake to be able to do it well the chances of that happening are pretty down with you think Paris he says Cobble i'll give team. you my hundred dollar handshakes <laughs> for the next week uh yeah he might Since he might chris sims was getting him everybody must get that. everybody yeah but no I, I i mean to me that's a, and we don't have to talk anymore about it but uh, to me that is the number one thing that i'm watching for i'm probably going to have my binoculars firmly planted on kenneth murray uh when they take over on defense for the first time uh, elsewhere, Baker Mayfield, I thought had some really strong statements this week, uh, and just in terms of Ohio State and what that game meant last year, uh, what this game is about, and uh, here's Baker Mayfield talking about the uh, the loss last year to Ohio State. Uh, everybody that that was here for last year's um, huge loss uh, definitely remembers that. That's something we talked about during camp. Uh, you know, we we've Never been here for a team to sing their fight song on our field. Uh, quite frankly, it's just embarrassing. Um, it's embarrassing 
we let down our fans, our coaches, uh, and everybody that you know supports our program for, for, to allow them to sing OHIO on our field. And their fans were, were louder than ours, and so, and rightfully so, they had more reason to be louder. But um, it's a different year, uh, obviously. Yeah, we're still thinking about that. It hurts, but well, we still, still got to go play football. Also, uh, with, I have a story that I'm getting ready to publish and was kind of looking for pictures from last year's game to go with the story, and the Associated Press still has plenty of pictures of the uh, the Ohio State defense holding up the basic defense sign that someone <laughs> in the stands had. God, that that was that was looking back on it, that was pretty fun. That was funny in a way too, just how they they brought the sign out at the end. I mean, who wouldn't if you were Ohio State to do something like that? Baker is in big game Baker. Mode, oh yeah, though, he really. Is. Have you seen the ESPN uh, little promo highlight? And he's quoted on this as saying, if you want to see a sneak peek at who's going to be playing for a national title, you want to tune into this one. That Baker Mayfield, on, I'm sure it's a, a game day piece or something uh, coming up for Saturday, but he's asking for uh, it. He is in, he's in Baker mode right now. He's in prime. Love him if he's yours. Thank oh, yeah. He's a giant penis if he's not. Oh, yeah. I saw somebody on Twitter commenting today that Baker Mayfield's turned into the biggest drama queen since RG3 in the Big 12. He's always been that way, though. I, and I think it's not he, like it just happened. It's just because the spotlight is brighter than oh, it's and ever he, been. Oh, and he embraces it because look at it this way. If they're able to pull off what I think would be a miracle and win on Saturday, he's probably in the driver's seat for the Heisman. Oh, I, it, yeah, I think Cause so. Because it means that he has played very, very well. They're not winning without him playing very well. I thought, okay, so tell me if I'm wrong, but I thought what he said this week about playing under pressure was maybe one of the, it was almost like his version of creationism. It was it was peak cockiness. Yeah, I mean, it was almost like him telling us what the straight-faced dinosaurs never existed. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Josh. You know what? It, I, I'm like I'm one of those guys. I love quotables. Like I I quote stuff to myself. I'm real big on like you know things that you know help your day get better. I I, I I'm a borderline motivational speaker groupie. Like that that's kind of where I'm at. But for it, it reminds me of something. Um, it's a Steve Prefontaine quote where he's talking about. Oh, just, you know I love my Steve Prefontaine. Exactly. Like he's like you know. I don't. I'm not as talented as the other guys. I just, you know, if you're going to beat me, you have to bleed to do it. Like that kind of stuff. Like, no, you're you're, just, you're, you're misrepresenting I, I, it a little bit because I've watched Without Limits at least a hundred times, <laughs> and he's. I believe what he says. He first says, uh, "My heart can pump more blood through it than any man's alive," and then he says, "He says, now I'm I'm kind of falling apart here, but he says I can handle more pain than anyone that you've ever met." Yeah. And it's it's that and I, mean, I, like, I fell in love was, with Steve Prefontaine at that point. Isn't yeah, no, I mean, and that guy's yes. a really he, Eddie. What's I will smack you down. I said, isn't he a runner? Don't even stuck a distance runner. Why don't you go watch McFarland USA and then come back and tell me that running isn't a sport? <laughs> okay, <laughs> no, I'll I mean, report back next week. He's he's just a really interesting guy, and, and he had that mindset kind of like what Baker's talking about, like you know what, it's just in my mind that I'm better than you. Like, I may not actually be, but I believe I am, so that's enough. And I think that's, like, that's what I took from Baker. Like, just 
you know what? I think I can do it, so I can do it. Let's let the listeners decide, but we won't let Josh decide because he won't hear it. Uh, here's Baker Mayfield. I don't know if my question's in here or not because I was trying to ask him about, you know, where did all this, you know, road warrior stuff come from for you guys? I'm sorry. Ovo said that uh, he enjoys going on the road, playing in front of big hostile crowds like yeah. this. You think that's something that was born out of maybe you guys being at Tennessee and going, you know, obviously you played well when you went to Lut- back to Lubbock with all the chance going on there and things? Um. I don't think it came from that. I think you're either born with it or you're not. There, there's a time when you face adversity and you go into a hostile environment and you either go into your shell or, or you come out and you shine. So uh, without pressure, there's no diamonds. And so um, I think you're either born with it or you're not. And I think this team's played well on the road for a reason. Um, and I think we have a bunch of guys that we've instilled the mentality that, you know, you got to love it. In college football, you got rivalries and you got trash talk and you got to enjoy it. Um, so you got to go in there and just want to do your job and try and silence the crowd. And, you know, it, that crowd comes on the hill. And Lincoln Riley had brought this up recently just about how he appreciated Bob Stoops sticking with him when they hadn't done anything through three and a half quarters at Tennessee. Like, and when he's saying that, and I'm thinking, like, dude, you really struggled for a long time at Tennessee. It's not like you just went in there and dominated. I mean, he made a lot of good plays and stuff and kept drives alive. Uh, but, I mean, there was a reason that ESPN continued to flash down to Trevor Knight as that game was going along. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it was it was not pretty for three and a half quarters. And then all of a sudden, what they... The floodgates opened. The floodgates opened and they hit... Was what was it? It was the eighty. Was it? I think it was Miller a little was the second. I think it was the little. He did the. Uh, he scrambled to the sideline. He hit oh, Sterling hit. Shepard. Hit Sterling Shepard, who somehow stayed in bounds right, and caught the right. pass. Uh, and by that time, the crowd had had enough of Baker Mayfield and his scrambling. They yeah. just were out of their minds. Uh, and then maybe was the first score when he ca- he kept it on his own read and walked in. I thought the first touchdown to get it back was uh, a little dump pass to uh, Samaje. It's been too long for me. Yeah, it was it to Samaje in like the in the corner end zone. You're right. Yeah, and then uh, of course you know the Sterling touchdown tied it up, and then he scored in overtime, didn't he? In the first overtime, Baker did. Well, that was the leap from Sterling, right? That was the second overtime. I thought okay to win it technically, but anyway, but, yeah. I, I mean, if Baker is in pure Baker pregame mode, and I. They said it multiple times this week, but it's pretty amazing. He's he's never lost a a true road game, which doesn't do a whole lot for me because he has lost road games technically. But I, it's it's very interesting. He's never walked onto a campus and lost a game as the uh, starting quarterback of Oklahoma. It's always been on a neutral site. Uh, we could get back to that, but let's talk about real quick the controversy that's come out because I want to bring Josh in on this too because uh, he would be able to know this better than anybody. The controversy that Orlando Brown, the the trumped-up controversy that has started, because Orlando Brown just happens to say something that shocked people, and it's one of those really inside football things that most people wouldn't know unless they paid a lot of attention, but it pissed off everybody in Columbus and around there. Here's uh, Orlando Brown. I'll probably cut this off a little bit earlier, but uh, here's Orlando. Uh, I mean, I think they have a great defense line. Um, I think it's definitely going to be one of the best that we see. Um, you know, I think, you know, last year they were one of the best we've seen, you know, obviously up there with uh, KU. Um, man, I mean, they got a ton of talent across the board. They've got, uh, you know, first rounders and, you know, pretty much every defense and, you know, on scholarship. Um, I think their interior wise, they're really good. You know, a lot of experience. 
uh, it's just going to be a game that we have to go out there and play with a ton of confidence. So, he, I mean, everybody was talking about that. I mean, it's it's the maybe the top offensive line against maybe the first top or you know defensive line. I think people, most people, agree Clemson has, they think they have the best defensive line in college football. Uh, but when he, Josh, when he brought up KU, and I think Dennis Dodd had a role in this too. Uh, maybe he misquoted him a little bit on a tweet. Uh, but Dennis Dodd's from Kansas City. Like, he should know these things. Like, that's not an insult immediately. But, like, Josh, it just started a firestorm. Like, oh my God, he's disrespecting Ohio State by comparing them to uh, KU's defensive line a year ago. Yeah, you know, and it's one of those things that I, I think also... For Orlando, it's very individual. Like, I bet if you asked Bobby Evans or Cody, not Cody Ford, or Ben Powers or one of those guys, they might not mention Kansas first. Orlando Brown faced Dorrance Armstrong a lot. Yeah. Well, Dorrance Armstrong's really, Dorrance Armstrong's maybe a first round pick. He's the, like, he's he, a big he played Ohio defensive State. player of the year. Yeah. So, I mean, he's really, really good. So, for Orlando to say that, it's going to be much more about I had to face that dude. He doesn't know if the defensive, you know, the the three technique at Kansas is every bit as good as the guy as Ohio State. He didn't have to deal with that. He just wouldn't know. But I, I, what I think you're right about is Dennis Dodd tweeted it out, and he didn't misquote him, but he just made it like a slight. And it's clear listening to Orlando, he didn't mean it that way. He meant I think Kansas is really good, and so is Ohio State. Like it, it didn't have to be one or the other. But obviously, you know, I, I think an OU fans can act like it's crazy. But if some Ohio State player compared Oklahoma's offensive line to Purdue, they're going to be like, oh, you're crazy. And they may not realize Purdue has two NFL, you know, prospects on their offensive line. I guess so, I, I mean, say that on the heels of Kirk Herbstreet's statement that Ohio State will not face a better wide receiver quarterback combo than he's facing tonight. Yeah. That, that I know you kind of took his back on that. I I think that's kind of crazy talk. Uh, Simi um, Cobbs Jr. is awesome. He's no, he's very good. Does the gap between him and say Jeff Bidette equal to the gap between Richard Legault and Baker Mayfield? It doesn't to me. Like I don't even think it's that close. I don't know. I mean, when when Jeff Bidette has two catches against that defense that he has no that no normal human being has business making, then then yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean that, Mark that's Andrews. Fine. Mark Andrews might. I mean, yeah, he very are, well yeah. could have twice the total yards that Cobb's had. Sure, sure. I mean, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I get that Cobb's is he would be OU's number one receiver. I mean, that, that's fine. You can make that case. But Richard Legault would be OU's third quarterback, fourth maybe. I mean, you're, you're not talking about a, a guy that's particularly special. O, OU. Hell, for those that don't remember, OU brought him into campus when Josh Heupel was OC and worked him out when he was still in high school at Plano High. But see, I don't, I don't, I don't argue it that way. I don't look at. I just say, okay, well, Baker Mayfield is better than Richard Legault, and I don't know how you, you know, weigh that. Is you know, is there a sliding scale like that? He's sixty yeah. percent better than than Legault, and is Cobb's tw- only twenty percent better than than Jeff Bidette or or Ceedee Lamb? No, I mean, and, that, and that's that's what it gets into. I mean, it's just who. I mean, clearly, all I, all OU I has took the it was quarterback. Simi Cobbs Jr. as of last week was the best wide receiver out of if you put both teams together. Now, sure, Ceedee Lamb, he can he could be better. I, there's no doubt he could be even a better player than Cobbs. Yep. I like I said, you guys know. I mean, I spent all summer hyping CD, and I think he's going to end up better than I thought he would. I mean, that's. 
And that's a mouthful because I've been singing his praises for a while. And the guy, you know, and to give you credit, Kerry, I thought Calcaterra would take more time than he did to make an impact. I thought, you know, they, they'd, they'd ease him in a little bit, but that's clearly not going to be the case. He's just got such amazing hands. He I mean, does. the only he thing really that I does. can compare what it looks like when he catches a ball is what when, when Rob Gronkowski catches a ball. He just swallows it. His hands just swallow it. It was very that I, I don't think that people like just realize how tough that catch was. The touchdown yeah. Calcaterra had, and how great that throw was. It, yeah, it was a very good throw. And then you have Mark Andrews who just. I guess we can't talk about him not having a 100-yard game anymore. I mean, he had it in the first half. If if Josh, I think you said it on Twitter. If he can do that 12, 13 more times, he's going to be a first-rounder this year. Yeah, th- this will be his last year. He puts two or three more of those together, and it's going to be real hard to keep him around. By the way, we were, uh, we were talking about Orlando Brown, and to me, huge key this weekend is going to be him keeping his cool because players are going to target him because they know he's prone to get personal fouls. Refs are going to be watching it. And so we were interviewing Ben Powers the other day. I think, he, was he the last one that came in? Yeah, on Monday. And Ben Powers does not really, I don't think he likes being interviewed. Maybe he doesn't, he just, I think he's not comfortable being interviewed. So a lot of his answers are short. And it's he almost gives you this attitude like, yeah, I know I just gave you a short answer. Deal with it. And uh, so I thought, we're going to have to get creative and talk to him about some other stuff. And so I asked him about uh, Orlando Brown and what it's like when he's next to him and he's losing his mind. And I thought that was kind of interesting. We were talking to Orlando today, and and, he's a guy that's kind of been targeted just because he's had some personal fouls in the past. How much... How much do you have to play peace officer out there sometime with him? You know, when you're you're out there, you always have to kind of calm him down when he gets too out of hand. Um, But at the same time, the refs are always looking at him, so. How do you calm him down? Are you saying you can get away with stuff? Oh, no, you you never get away with anything out there. How do you calm him down? Uh, You just say, Orlando, you got to be, look look at the bigger picture. Look at the bigger picture. It's not worth it. How much much of a listener is he? When he gets in that mode, he doesn't really listen. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of tough to calm him down, but you do the best you can. Uh, Eddie, were you not over there when I was talking to him? Yeah, I was. Okay, yeah. I made what could have been my worst question analogy analogy ever to a man that's that big and that powerful. He is he is extremely. I think just from hearing him talk, I, I believe him to be extremely intelligent. I think he's very he's very intelligent, but he's also very scary. Yeah, he's a big guy. Because you know what he could do to you. <laughs> and so, I don't know. Have you seen the movie The Accountant, Josh, with Ben Affleck? I have seen that movie, and Ben Affleck is creepy as hell in that movie. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, like, Ben Powers, actually, like, he has very utilitarian glasses. Like, they're not fancy at all. They're just, they're just, and they're very... Uh, like I said, they're 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 made for the purpose of of your sight being better. There's nothing fashionable about them. Uh, they're not like the Bill Gates kind of weird. They're like the modern version of those kind of. And so, you know, like when he's giving those answers, it sounds like very, you know, uh, analytical. And he's just standing there and staring at you, and it's kind of uncomfortable. And so I said, what do you like to do off the field? And, and I said, because you're kind of reminding me right now of Ben Affleck and the accountant. And he and, and everybody was like gasped. They're like, 
and he started laughing and he said, and he, and he thought it was funny because he'd seen the accountant. I guess he knows kind of what his personality is like. He took it as a compliment. He took it as a compliment. But then I realized uh, Ben Affleck's character was a autistic serial killer. That was a horrible comparison for you to make. You know what? I think it would be good for Oklahoma's offensive line if they had an autistic serial killer on their team. <laughs> USC has a, and I'm using quote, oh, air here quotes. We go. USC has here a, we go. a blind kid on their team. So, oh, you should have a serial killer. Just like Stevie Wonder, huh? It could be. I told Carrie, I mean, Josh, I told Carrie earlier this week, I don't know if I'm buying the whole uh, USC blind deep snapper thing. Now, Eddie, do you believe anyone is blind? Like, is this, is it just all a conspiracy, or no, just I, some there are blind? There are blind people. Okay, okay, but but none of them would be would not, dare to be a long snapper. Well, and just like the people that, but they are had famous. a whole look. They had an entire ESPN special on this kid when he was twelve. Premeditated. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> it could be premeditated. When Pete Carroll was the coach at USC. He, he was would, already cheating. <laughs> he would come out there. And hang around practice after he went blind. He did go blind until he was 12. So you're saying he faked going well, he, blind? He was half blind, and then he lost his full vision at 12, I thought. Something like I that, I do yeah. remember actually watching that Degenerative that blindness special, or whatever. Uh, now, but, did you yeah. hate him then, Eddie, or have you just become jaded over time? Probably just jaded over time. Okay, okay. I wasn't sure if you hated a 12-year-old. Uh, I mean, there are 12-year-olds that I hate, but Why, not him. You want to fight a 90-pound wrestler, dude. There aren't many in the 18-year-old class. I know, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. Do you want to fight the USC blind guy? Oh, I could fight a blind person for sure. <laughs> you just got to get him to the ground. <laughs> no, see, no, I, Eddie, you I don't feel like need that would be the You don't need to get a blind person to the ground. He can't see you coming. Well, that just tells you my fighting experience. Yeah, I was going to say, go to the ground is going to play to his yeah. hands better. Okay, he can well, get his hands on I you. I might need to review my game plan. Yeah, I think, it's, yeah I think you want to go stand up boxing there, Eddie. If you can get a kickbox in, that's oh, great. But God, I think... no wonder you want to fight 90-pound wrestlers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a theme here. Why do you want to wrestle everybody? Uh, that's the only contact sport uh, experience that I have. Or fighting. Now, it's that's an important question. Eddie, have you been in a fight before? No, never. Okay. Okay. So do you think this is just some, like, pin-up, you, you need to get a fight in with somebody? Yeah. I need to get it under my belt so we ha I have experience, I guess. Yeah. Just just know where you are as a man. I got you. Uh, yeah. Ben Powers is a scary guy. <laughs> I would not want to yeah, fight really, Ben Powers. I, I agree. He's, he's, there's something there that... You don't know really kind of what he is capable of. I've told you guys that story when I interviewed him when he committed. And he was talking about, like, I'd asked him a really mundane question. I can't remember what it was. Just kind of like what, you know, how he would describe his game or something. And he was like, I just want to kick everybody's ass. I well, remember you know that, what? yeah. And I remember Wait, you, what? like... You were like debating over whether you should print that quote. If like he asked me not to, that's the reason mad. I was like, mm -mm. okay, you, Mr. Six Foot Five, three hundred pound offensive lineman, you got you got it, buddy. I'll keep that one between you and me. Mama doesn't have to know. I do agree with you though. They need to stay away from personal fouls, Matt Romore. I mean, that's the kind of oh, stuff man. that man. What that, was he doing? That that's the kind of stuff that extends drives, and then all of a sudden you get beat. Look at the Houston game a year ago in the opener. 
they they had oboe had the the targeting hit or late personal foul i think roughing the passer that extended the drive or a drive that stuff will uh, get you beaten especially in columbus i've got this for you eddie i want to wrestle you so freaking bad i'd let you in just so i could feel you on top of me Penn State Minute. Your Penn State Minute has been brought to you by. You're the one that's always talking about wrestling. I'm just saying. Yeah, I don't... I just played Chris Hansen uh, to catch a predator <laughs> talking about wrestling. Uh, I think Was he reading Sandusky? He was reading... Not Sandusky. He was just reading a sexual predator's chat oh, I've, I've session. Al- I always thought that that was something for Penn State. Honestly. The Chris Hansen thing? Yeah. No. Oh. He'd get creepy 40-year-old dudes that were trying to hook up with 30 Well, yeah, I, I watched that show. Great show. Oh, but you thought the wrestle thing was just... Yeah, I thought that was like a Sandusky, like, part of a book or something. Yeah, no, yeah. No. So, anyway, uh, well, Ohio State coming up this weekend. I, I mean, look, Baker is going to have to play really well. And he's, let's face it, he is, uh, judging by the tweet that you just showed me, he is more than going to be willing to take the blame if this thing goes south. I I will I I usually don't watch game day, but I might have to watch game day Saturday morning from the hotel just because I it it feels like there's going to be an explosive interview if they're putting out those types of clips with Mayfield. He's going to be on the cockiest of cocky. Which is really strange because he tried to put this on everybody but he and JT Barrett. It's like, this game isn't about us. It's about the, the tr- guys in the trenches. I think that that's just the way he clicks. And maybe they they might have done that interview, you know, at Big 12 Media Day or something, too. So Let's face it. If anybody's getting away with that, it's it's Baker. Oh, yeah. he. I think he would be more comfortable if he hits the field to a chorus of boos on Saturday than, than a chorus of cheers. And it's not just a a Lincoln thing. I mean, like, if Bob was there, Bob let him just do stuff like that. Yeah. It's kind of weird. By the way, well, speaking of Bob, so I'm sorry, go ahead, Josh. No, no, I just real quick, I was going to say, he's one of those rare guys that's better when he's angry. Most guys, like, they can't do it. Like, they, they get in their head and they're trying to prove something. He's really good when he's pissed off about something. I mean, there's some Johnny Manziel there, except, yep. except you know, the self-destructive stuff we don't think is there. I mean, it finally, the only finally happened, but I, I, I got the sense after that happened. I, no, I didn't get the sense. I know. I mean, after it happened, he definitely shut down, you know, Baker in air quotes. Yeah. Like, super Baker. Well, that, And I think he felt shame about it and remorse. But now that I think the season's here, I think he's known, okay, I can be myself again. I can be arrogant me or whatever you want to call him. Just look at uh, his that interview that we were looking at before we started recording this, carried from the Oklahoma, from the uh, Ohio State post game last year. He's all scruffed up and you know has the hair going everywhere. Now he's clean shaven. I, I that might just be me reading into it too much, but he definitely has changed on the out on the outside as far. Where as... Where was that tweet? I'm gonna go find that tweet because I want to play this. What uh, the ESPN? I saw it on ESPN's Instagram. Is where I initially found it you suck instagram people let's see here i'm sure espn's put it out though i think ou football actually even retweeted it have you seen it josh yeah they college game day retweeted it or tweeted it three hours ago college game day did yeah 
It's not on their Instagram. You it was lied on, to me. It was on oh, ESPNs. Here, here we go. Here's uh, Baker Mayfield. The college ball playoff and who really, you know, who's going to be in that thing is, is at stake. One or, or both of these teams is going to be playing uh, in, in mid-January. If you want to sneak peek at who's going to be playing for a national title, I'd say you want to tune into this one. The college ball playoff. And- All right. That doesn't seem that inflammatory. No, it doesn't, but... And ESPN sitting there all giddy like... <laughs> oh, they'll, they'll run that. He's promoting it for us. They'll run that the next three days. There's no doubt about it. 72 hours of Baker Mayfield. I was telling Eddie, like, I, I, am, I dream in the stupid uh, 30 Seconds from Mars song now, Josh. I can't get that thing out of my... You know the one that plays with the... Uh, the commercial, oh, yeah, the the Ohio State. I think it's- uh, I'm playing it right now. So yeah, I, I, that's just going through my head all the time. There are some songs that are just made for commercials and like football pump up, like the. Uh, the uh, the one that they the, there's another one that they play a lot. Uh, I forgot who sings it now. It's on the tip of my tongue, but there are some songs that are just made for that, and that's one of them. I like it. Of course, I'm gonna hate it because it's gonna play all season. Oh long. yeah, you'll. It's the co- It's the official ESPN. Co- it got replaced a little bit because Taylor Swift probably paid a lot of money to have that travesty of a song that she released. What a bitch. <laughs> You don't like how the Taylor hell Swift? does Taylor Swift get synonymous with college football? How is that happening? It's I don't it didn't know. even make any sense. Like the yeah. lyrics and stuff. Probably the same way that they let a blind dude deep snap and nobody asked the real questions about it. <laughs> but he got to the bottom of we're it. We're all just sheep, and they let we let everything happen. Only Eddie could be offended by a handicapped man getting to play in a college football game. I'm not offended by it. I just I have questions about it. <laughs> Would you really, if, if OU was doing that, you would not make, you would not become investigative reporter guy about that? No, probably not. So you know that the people that are covering USC are not going to do that? Uh, no, but I, I saw, uh, saw Ryan Abrams tweet something about it, just about Abraham. how he, Abraham, how he puts his head back and forth during interviews, and he, he pointed it out as it was a good thing, which it is, but. We're so just you're being a little controversial. We're just being controversial. So if OU plays USC in the first round of the college football playoffs, we will have a scoop HD one on one. You're with, going to try uh, and with Jake. you're going to try and prove by maybe knocking things over in front of him <laughs> to see if he grabs them, like numbers in front of his face. Who are we kidding? Eddie's going to throw something at him. Like Eddie's going to make sure if he does, if he's not blind, he's going to get hit. God, do it in the post game, please. I oh, yeah. need you for the game. Yeah, we'll we'll wait until don't, the game's don't get over. Kicked out at media day. Get- Eddie throws a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get I'll get Sam Darnold on the uh, a one on one, just away from everything, and ask him the real truth. He's blind, Eddie. He's blind. Just let him be blind. Okay, we will. It's a good story. It is a good story. It's not impossible for a blind person. It's not like he's playing the piano. He only has to do one thing, snap a ball between his legs over and over again. And they can't contact him, so he's safe from that regard. That is true. 
He's done things I've never done. It's so. not like he's, he's the starting quarterback. That would be a story. <laughs> that I would call bullshit on. Oh, God. Uh, Eddie and I are headed uh, to Cincinnati and not Columbus right away. We're leaving tomorrow morning. To uh, We're going to go take in Tavian Thomas's game as uh, his team plays at Mount Healthy High School. Or is it like Mount Healthy Christian Academy or something like that? Probably something like that. But like everything there is named Matt, Mount Healthy, Josh. So it's I don't think it's a health foods thing. Okay. Well, that would have been Just a lot some, funnier if you guys had to eat vegan. Somebody named a Mountain Healthy. Probably some, you know, like there was a Joe Healthy. A Victor Healthy. That doesn't no happen idea. enough anymore. People naming shit after themselves just shamelessly. Like entire towns? Yes. That that You don't see that as much anymore. Like it's like Roaring Springs or something like like trying to paint a picture rather than like this is McQuistianville. But no, Eddie's going to be on the video camera. I'll take some photos. Uh, Josh, what are your weekend plans? Well, it's very interesting because obviously there's still, I mean, you know, we talked about it a lot last week. There's still so much happening in Houston that there's almost no games on the schedule. Oh, I was wow. planning to go see Starlin Baldwin this weekend um, and get a chance to watch him against a uh, elite wide receiver from Aleph Taylor, uh, Brennan Eagles. So I, I was kind of looking forward to that, getting to see him go against somebody real. But as it is, it looks like I'm going to head back up to Dallas. I still haven't quite figured out. The other possibility, and I'm starting to lean in that direction a little bit, actually, is going over to Waco and catching uh, Tanner Mordecai and getting to see him for the oh, first yeah. time in a game. How was, how, how was your trip up to DFW last week? And I, I thought of all the video and interviews that you got up at uh, Aledo. And, By the uh, way, I, I'm going to say this publicly, Josh. I am now finally proud of you for your camera skills. You're doing an excellent job. That was hard for you, wasn't it? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't at all. Because I'm, I'm getting older. I'm, I'm, it's easier for me to tell other people they do a good job. I'll, I appreciate that. I'll put it on the board, too, but Flower Mound, Marcus's uh, inflatable is the most ridiculous monstrosity I've ever seen in my entire life. It's like a three-story. Is it a dragon? No, it's, it's like a, a, it's a three-story almost uh, inflatable that they run out of. and it It's like is, an M. It's incredible. Gary, it's, it, I mean, he's not exaggerating. It's three stories tall. It's 30 feet tall. Holy crap. It takes them like 15 minutes to inflate it with like two of those big air pushers. Like, I mean, it's air crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't. Well, is that what they are? Because it's the the big like the circular that have the air. I mean, I've got an air compressor. I know what that looks like. But they're the. I, is that maybe it's a different class of air compressor? I don't even know what the hell you call them. They're just the big ones that are like the hard plastic, and then they hook up the ends to it and. I'm spending a lot of time on a really stupid top, <laughs> so I'm going to just move away from it. But no, uh, so I, I kind of think Tanner Mordecai is where I'm going to be this weekend. But to go back, to, I'm sorry, I kind of lost track of what we were talking about. Um, last weekend, uh, I thought the Justin Osborne interview went really well. He's really, really into Oklahoma. For those who haven't watched it, it's a free story on the front page of uh, Sooner Scoop. Uh, he is a big offensive tackle, 2019 offer, came to the barbecue, kind of compared uh, Bill Biedenboe to one of um, – his former coaches that he he almost got a little emotional making the comparison. Like you could hear him kind of clench up for a second. And I thought, wow, that's that's pretty impressive. And he kind of talked about Norman feeling like home. And when you start using that phrase, that's usually a big tip. Like I think Oklahoma's very much right there with him. Um, the other two I did were obviously Oklahoma's two commitments from from guys. Let's get this right now. Alito. And I so want to finally figure it out. Yeah. I, 
I cannot tell you how many times I was trying to post something on the board using my voice to text. The guy, the play, uh, the the stadium announcer at Alito talks more than any announcer I have ever heard in my entire life. And I would get through with the whole thing, like doing my voice to text, and in the middle of you know my breakdown of Jace McClellan's last run, it would be an advertisement for the Alito Education Foundation. And I'm like, son of a, and I've got to go in and delete the whole thing. It was, um, it, it was a, it was a trial, Alito. But he said Alito at least 7,500 <laughs> times, so I'm very See, familiar with the with the word now. You know it now, Jace McClellan. That run that uh, he had a couple runs, Josh, that we yep. highlighted on the board. But he looked very impressive, and he's going to be out four to six weeks now with a broken hand. Yeah, he, he came out about mid-third quarter and was really, you could tell like something had spooked him and he was real worried about it. Well, I thought he'd just come out because they were up 28 nothing at that point. It wasn't any big deal. You know, Colleyville Heritage hadn't done anything, so I thought they just sat him because they just didn't need him. I think his backup ended up going for like 140. So they were, you know, Alito is really, really good this year. I, I, I'll, be, I'll be real surprised if they're not playing in Jerry World uh, in December. Um but beyond that, so I so I came down to the sidelines. All of a sudden, I could see his arm in a sling, and I thought, "Oh, that's kind of bad." Well, um, guys, we know the uh, the field guy for Alito's radio broadcast, and he came over and kind of told me, "Sounds like a sprained wrist. You know, he might miss a couple weeks. No big deal." Well, then I'm talking to Jeffrey Carter after the game, and it sounded like, "Oh, maybe he broke it." And then it, you know, I talked to Jace as well, but. I tried not to push him too hard on it because, you know, the kid was giving me an interview with an injured arm. You know, I'm sure he was disappointed. So I, I tried not to press it too hard, but we found out Saturday, yeah, he broke a wrist. He he seems pretty optimistic. I've talked to him a little bit since then, and he seems pretty upbeat that he'll be back by, you know, kind of later in the regular season. All right. Um, anything, I mean, Asamoah, I mean, uh, I, Mike Stoops actually yesterday uh, – didn't ever use his name, but he said that uh, he mentioned uh, he was going to maybe try and go see his high school, Cardinal Mooney High School, play uh, Friday night, or Tim Kish was going to go. And then he just mentioned, yeah, we've got a, a kid that we're recruiting that's playing on the other team, playing against my high school. And he never said his name, but it's obvious, you know, somebody's going to be there for OU watching him. I don't know, you know, if if Jay Bullware will be in uh, Cincinnati on Friday night, but I would bet they send one guy to each. I don't. Did Tavian? Did he? Did he say anything to you about OU coaches to come visit him, Josh? He hasn't mentioned it. I, you know, I'm kind of surprised. I actually, I'll check on that once we're uh, we're done here. But yeah, I, I would be. I'm with Eddie. I would be real surprised if if Jay didn't take that opportunity to go over there and see him. Um, just because it's you know it's an easy trip, and what, what's what's he going to miss out on? I don't think it's any big deal. Um, if, and if I'm OU, I'm sending Mike and Kish can go over there. Because if one yeah. can, both can. Yeah. It's no big deal. I agree. Um, I tell you and, what, I, I sat down and watched Thomas's film mm-hmm. last night because it had been a while. God, he's, he's a big dude. He's, he's such a big dude. I'm excited to see him in person. He looked really good. Uh, he's already got his tape from last week up. He's one of those kids that updates it each week. and. He went kind of nuts last week. He had like an 80-yard run, so hopefully you guys will get some really nice clips out of that whole deal. He will join a, uh, a very elite group of, uh, of guys that we have seen the day before a game. Uh, it doesn't usually go too well. 
Doriel Green Beckham. Doriel Green Beckham. Uh, what was the kid's name out of uh, Tallahassee? Uh, re, uh, oh, the oh, tight Lath end. Harlow. Lath Harlow. Lath Harlow. That did mm-hmm. not go well. Jeez. Uh, who there was? There's been, I think, one more. Uh, you got no. You didn't see Imani Bledsoe last year or a couple years ago when they were in uh, Lawrence. No. Uh, there was something. There's another one though. Yeah. I went up and saw the trip that we flew. I went up and saw the kid from Derby, but uh, and then I met up with Carrie the next day, and he played like three snaps, and it was like twenty degrees outside. (laughs) (laughs) What was that kid's name? The tight end, Good Goolsby. Goodly Goolsby. That's it. Went to Florida. Right. Yep. I will say I'll I'll never forget that trip to go see Lath Harlow just because it that was an era. I mean, that was before, like, 7-on-7 seven seven was really becoming a huge deal. And it was the first time I went and saw a group of kids play. And it was like, I remember we had a Rivals guy there. And I can't remember who it was. Uh, Chris Knee. Chris Knee was there. And he was telling me about all the guys. He's like, that guy's going to Kentucky. That guy's going to Auburn. That guy's going there. Like, everybody on that team was going somewhere. And I just remember thinking, this isn't football. Like, it, everyone is so fast and skinny and tall. Like, there's no football. It's it's just basketball on grass. They just beat the shit out of that team last that night too. Yeah, Godby. Didn't they? Godby's put, a really good program. And didn't they put in like Harlow late just because he barely played or something? Yeah, it was really weird. He had like a knee injury, and then I think you know that later I think cost him his career at OU was the knee or or I the it was neck, the back, or neck, neck or back, back or something. neck or That's back. Right. Yeah, That's I can't right. remember which, but it was one of those two. Uh, I think our, it was the back. I know we're going to have to get out of here. One thing I want to touch on, I don't know if you guys have seen this. Eddie, I don't know. If, we're going to be in Columbus, so I really don't care. But, man, did you guys see this stuff with ABC Channel 5 and, and Cox Communications? There is going to be riots in the streets of any town in Oklahoma if this is not remedied by uh, by Saturday morning. And here's the stupid thing. It's like, uh, maybe it's not stupid, but I'm getting tired of hearing this. It's like, everybody, it's either... Oh, you should cut the cord. Oh, you should get ATT or oh, you should get direct TV. I like Cox Cable. I don't want to have to change my damn cable just because two people can't get along. And I mean, how are you going to have cable without ABC? You're not. Just fix the damn thing. What are the percentage chances this is remedied by Saturday? I mean, I would, yeah, I would. You know, Bill, ha- Bill Haston told me that Tulsa in, I think it's Hearst, that's a parent company here. Maybe it was Sinclair or maybe it was Clear Channel. I can't remember. But Cox in Tulsa got into it with uh, Fox, and it went past the first Cowboys game, and people lost their minds. I mean, there will be, there might be a homicide if this isn't taken care of. Well, that's the thing. Like, okay, say Cox could literally go to all the OU fans there and say, like, they're demanding $3 million a year more from us. For all of our OU fans, the, you know, 900,000 of you, that's going to equate to about $4 a year. Can you guys ante up $4 a year? Yeah, we got that. Like, every OU fan would pay it in a minute <laughs> just be, to avoid the fear that they're not going to get to watch the biggest game in, you know, of OU football probably this year. It's, it's one of the biggest games. And, like, Ohio State last year was at least at home. This is one of the biggest road games that OU football has ever played in its entire history. Really? You think so? I mean, it's two like, versus five. Yeah. I mean, these matchups like this don't happen very That's often. That's true. That's true. You can you. I mean, you can go back into the, you know, easily. A lot of people can go back into the seventies and name pretty much every. I mean, just think about like Florida State was a really big matchup. Yeah. That OU was number one, 
And we looked it up the other day, and like the biggest matchups OU had last year, like they did you know that OSU and OU was a top ten matchup last year? OSU was ten and OU was seven. I guess I didn't really dawn on OU me. versus West Virginia, a top ten matchup last year. West Virginia was West Virginia was ten and OU was seven. Or maybe it's OU was nine incredible. and West Virginia was ten. It's kind of incredible. I didn't I mean because OU had lost to Houston. Houston was 15 when the season started, so that wasn't a top-10 yeah. matchup. And then OU had fallen down to 14 when Ohio State came, so it wasn't a top-10 matchup. That's right. And then they each week rose back up through yeah. the... But non-conference top-10 matchups on the road, there's only a handful of those that have happened. Pretty special. It's it's gonna be a uh, it's gonna be an electric atmosphere. I guess is the best. I'm way. looking forward to it. I've heard that the stadium is just ridiculously big. Like it just looks like an incredible, I don't know, piece of architecture. I, I yeah, I and you know this is one of those games too that I think that. You know, you said all the players' parents want to go to the game. I have a ton of friends that are heading up, and I think it's going to not necessarily – it won't be like Notre Dame where it, it seemed like there were more – not there there weren't more fans there, but it's going to be one of those games where Oklahoma – you know, they obviously travel well, and there's going to be a ton of Oklahoma fans up there just as much as there were a ton of Ohio State fans that came down here last year. All right. Um, we're headed that way. I don't know if we'll have a, like an emergency podcast. I think we're going to try something like that at some point. Uh, but I know Josh has got to get out of here. I've got to get out of here. Uh, Lincoln Riley, going to talk to him one last time. And then we're headed to Dallas to fly out to uh, Cincinnati. So uh, appreciated you guys on the podcast today. Uh, Josh, just one last thing. Any, any last-minute recruiting news you want to throw out there? Uh, no, not really. I mean, we talked a little bit about Brian Asamoah. I think that visit went really well. I guess, obviously, we should just real briefly. Trajan Bridges, obviously committed yesterday, uh, Rivals 100 receiver. It's a big get for Oklahoma in 2019. It's crazy that Oklahoma has had three Rivals 100 receivers in 2019 now commit. Now, only one of them is still on the books. But it tells you, I mean, that that's how things are going for OU. They've, they have four commitments in the class of 2019, and three of them are Rivals 100 guys. So, I mean, they're off to a really, really strong start in that class. All right. Well, that'll do it for us. Uh, we may or may not be back. Um, if it's, a, I'm going to tell you this. If they win on Saturday, we'll come back maybe and do a podcast for you. That's real committed, isn't it? We'll come back maybe and do a podcast on Sunday. I'm down. I'm down, but... Uh... I don't We're think gonna, we'll do our predictions on the website. Is anybody really going to pick OU? I don't think you're going to want to hear my prediction. <laughs> if you're listening, I just I think it's going to be extremely tough to stop to come up with enough stops. I I didn't see that a style of defense that just was I I walked away from Saturday Dominant. thinking yeah, this gonna team's going to go better. on the road and shut the shit out of them. So I <laughs> I just a curse word there. I had to get it out. So Eddie said know. miracle earlier, and I was like, I don't think Eddie's buying OU this year. That's weekend. a horrible analogy, by the way. Shut the shit out of him. It's it S, S hands on butts. Okay, yeah. I haven't had a really good speaking day. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you've been so evil about things. Children and blind people. 
Helen Keller started it. I'm going to finish it. All right. Uh, that is Eddie Radosevich. Thank you, Eddie, sort of, for yep. being here today. Thank you, uh, Josh, for being here. Uh, go rate us on iTunes. We are up to 100. We didn't do ratings and reviews today. I'm sorry. We have some great ones recently. We will get to that next time because uh, you guys are really stepping up and giving some good ones. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, good luck to your Sooners here coming up this weekend. I'm not going to give you a boomer Sooner or anything like that, so you don't expect <laughs> us to start doing that stuff. I'm just saying, good luck to your Sooners. Uh, we hope that they win and that you all are happy and that you don't melt down on Sunday uh, or late Saturday. So for Josh, for Eddie, I'm Kerry Murdoch. We'll see you next time on the, uh, the Unofficial 40. Podcasts from Soonerscoop.com.